Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 110 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and on this fine Wednesday night, as I'm recording this Thursday, as you're listening to it, the Atlanta Hawks got yet another victory on Wednesday night, uh, running away from the Orlando Magic in what became a lopsided win for the team's fourth in a row. We will definitely talk about that game later in the show, but before we get to the game, I'm going to save that for last. Uh, there is a bit, there's a couple of uh, bits of news to hit on on this fine Thursday as you're listening to this. So, the first thing is a continuation of what we've been talking about for most of this week, and that is the Paul Millsap trade rumor mill. Uh, nothing brand new to report in terms of actual rumors, but uh, Chris Vivamore of the AJC did report on uh, on Wednesday that uh, that Millsap and, Buden- and Mike Budenholzer actually met to speak about the rumors and basketball and just in general. They had a meeting, the two of them. Uh, Paul indicated to Vivamore that the two that the two men met and basically referenced some big picture stuff. But no, no real specifics out of that meeting. Um, Paul kind of declined to talk about specifics, as you might expect, of that meeting. And also, Budenholzer gave kind of a hilarious non-answer to Villain Moore. And I quote, uh, I'm always talking to our, to our guys about lots of different things. I visit with Paul. He visits with me. Um, if you're not familiar with Budenholzer, that's a very, very Budenholzer answer. He doesn't really like to get into things, uh, especially like this. This is a topic that's basically off limits. If you were to ask him about it, you'll, you'll get an answer, but it's going to be one like that. So not surprised in that way, but worth noting that, that those two guys actually spoke about the rumors. Uh, again, you know, Paul's been nothing but, but, but professional in my experience and everything I've ever heard about Paul. Um, you know, he's been on the, on the block, uh, before, obviously over the summer, there was the uh, widespread rumors that he was uh, on the trade block in July as the the team was sort of shuffling, trying to figure out what to do with Dwight Howard and Al Horford and all those moving pieces. Um, uh, Paul did not seem super thrilled at that point in time. I think he gave a quote that was not exactly super positive, but in the same breath, he's a guy who's going to work hard. He's going to play hard. He played quite well, I thought, on Wednesday night, and it's something that's not going to bother him in terms of his actual play. Uh, you never know uh, behind the scenes what Paul was thinking. But uh, it was it's encouraging for those of you that want um, the Hawks to hold on to Paul that these two guys were speaking openly. Uh, Budenholzer, especially being the final decision maker in terms of personnel, being uh, you know Wes Wilcox is the GM, but it's Bud Show in the front office. And the two guys uh, getting along, they always have, in my in my experience, the two of them have a good relationship, and Millsap and Budenholzer for everything that I've ever seen and experienced. So uh, just something to note there and something to keep an eye on uh, on that front. I'm going to get away from that because we'll spend, again, too much time, I'm sure, between now and the deadline on that. But with the, with the way the Hawks are playing right now, also also could quiet some of the rumor stuff in that um, you know the better Atlanta plays, the less you'll probably hear about Millsap trade, only because the Hawks, I, I, I believe at least, will be less inclined to trade him if the team 
is playing well. Um, I don't really agree with that, to be honest, because of the fact that the Hawks uh, have a pretty defined ceiling this year. There's no possible way, in my view, that this is beyond a second-round and out playoff team. Um, but at the same time, uh, we saw it last year. The Hawks, I thought, uh, at least they thought, in my opinion, they were too good to blow it up, and they, that ended up being the, being the case. They, they did not blow it up. They won 48 games. They were in that four-way tie. They made it to the second round of the playoffs, and uh, we saw what happened against Cleveland. But at the same time, uh, they were uh, – you know, one of the better teams in the East last year, and that was probably one of the bigger reasons why they did not blow it up. So keep an eye on that. Uh, elsewhere, Torian Prince uh, played again in the D League on Wednesday afternoon. He had an, another big game: twenty-two points, eight rebounds, four steals, and three blocks. Actually, was able to catch some of this game uh, on the live stream, which was entertaining. Prince is uh, clearly one of the best players on the court at all times in the D League, which is what you would hope from him. But at the same time, he is definitely looking the part, which is very good and very encouraging. Mike Scott was supposed to play in this game, did not end up playing, and was later described by Christopher Moore as having uh, a some lower left leg soreness. Um, interesting little ailment there. By the time you listen to this, you could have some more information on that, but I'm recording this again on Wednesday night, and that's kind of all I know right now. Um, there was a tweet earlier in the day from Viv Lamore that indicated that um, Scott and Prince were expected to play uh, on Friday in the D League. Both of them. We'll see how how if it, if at all that actually changes based on this. But but Scott did not play uh, sort of unexpectedly here, at least from the outside looking in. Um, and well, hopefully he's not a it's not a long term injury. It doesn't seem like it would be. Uh, but no reason to push him either in the D League to have him play a meaningless basketball game if he's not 100 percent would be a bad idea. But the, the big takeaway for me is that Prince was uh, fantastic and he continues to look the part as a uh, dominant D League guy. So and that's a good thing because that's what he should be doing at this stage. Uh, third and final news item before we get to the game. Um, Mike, Mike spent a little bit of extra time on this one. Uh, Chris Villamore, again, of the AJC, reports that Pistol Pete Maravich will have his number and his jersey retired in the very near future. Uh, Villamore wrote up a, 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 good, a good read on, the, on a piece about about Maravich and all those things. Uh, he did not have a, uh, a dedicated date that's already in stone for this thing, but it looks like it's going to be uh, somewhere in the near future. Um I have a lot to talk about with this. I actually wrote a piece that's uh, it could be up by the time you listen to this. It's going up on Thursday on PeachtreeHoops.com, uh, breaking this down from a prism of um, a couple of different guys. But um, I think the Hawks have actually actively sort of lowered the bar for jersey retirements with uh, Maravich and uh, earlier uh, last season, Dikembe Mutombo's number was retired. Uh, both those guys are you know very wonderful and very influential players in different in different ways. Mutombo's off off court work is kind of legendary at this point. He's, he's apparently just a fantastic guy. Um, but Mutombo was very good with the Hawks, but w- w- for a pretty short period of time. Same with Maravich. You know the Hawks were not get, catching his absolute prime. He played only four years with the Hawks. Both guys played less than 400 games in a Hawks uniform. Um, it's sort of interesting to me. I think I guess the, th- the thesis of my post on Peachtree Hoops that I would, again, encourage you to read because I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure I'll leave some stuff out here in audio form, but uh, my thesis is that Joe Johnson and Al Horford should follow um, in terms of being uh, lifted to the rafters uh, upon retirement. That's going to be a uh, pretty uh, pretty controversial stance, I'd imagine, for some people, especially right now, given the fact that Horford willingly, willingly, willingly went to Boston and sort of jettisoned the fan base, uh, really burned the fan base in a lot of ways to the point where a lot of fans are still actively angry at Al, which I understand uh, being a fan of, of sports. I get I get that, that sort of stuff. I, I can I, I can be probably more clear-headed on this than, than most and kind of pointing out how great Al was for a, you know over a nine-year period. 
And in the case of Joe Johnson, uh, I never really understood the hate for Joe. Uh, Joe, you know, was traded away. He was never he never left on his own volition. He re-signed a contract with the Hawks. Um, most of the heat that came from Johnson was the fact that he was overpaid. But um, all he did was sign a contract, contract that was put in front of him. And I'm kind of never going to fault a player for being overpaid. Uh, that's that's an ownership and front office thing. Uh, if you're going to overpay a guy, that's that's on you. And no player is going to turn down a a giant pay grade. Um, so uh, Joe was very very good also during his time in Atlanta. And for me. Both both Johnson and Horford uh, comfortably, I will say this again, comfortably uh, contributed more to the organization on the whole uh, than either than either Maribich or Matumbo. So. In the end, this is not a huge deal. Um, you know, the column is you know it is what it is that I wrote. But uh, I was reminded of that in seeing that Maravich was retired because, I mean, even guys like John Drew, uh, Jason Terry, um, Chris, uh, uh, Kevin Willis, or I almost said Chris Willis, my boss at Peter Hoops, a former guest of the show, uh, Kevin Willis, I should say, uh, guys like that would even be uh, on my list, uh, at least on par or even ahead of Maravich in terms of uh, guys I would expect the Hawks to, to retire. So a kind of interesting thing there, sort of a one-off, uh, an interesting you know, sort of diehard thing that people might, people might care about. You know, right now there's only four numbers hanging from the rack. Afters in Phillips Arena, uh, Dominique Wilkins, Bob Pettit, Lou Hudson, and and Dikembe Mutombo. Um, really, I don't think Maravich and I don't really think Maravich or Mutombo should be up there. To be honest, I, I'm more of a, an exclusive guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, but now that they are there, I think the door is firmly open for Johnson, Horford, and maybe even more. Maybe Kevin Willis. Maybe again, John Drew sneaks in something like that. Jason Terry, a guy who I really enjoyed during this some doldrums of my youth as a as a member of the Atlanta Hawks. So. Um, I did an entire podcast with Jason Walker uh, early in the show's history. If you missed it, uh, basically we constructed the Mount Rushmore of the Atlanta Hawks. I uh, tried to pick the, the, the four most the four most influential players, the four best players, however you want to put it, um, for, from the from the Atlanta Hawks history, uh, not dating back to St. Louis, but uh, just the Atlanta the Atlanta portion. And that's worth a listen if you've not uh, heard that one. Uh, it's definitely that was one of the earlier shows, so you have to go back a ways to find it. But worth listening. Jason's a, a Hawks historian, uh, so this is sort of a cross over topic to that and uh, wanted to get that out there ahead of the piece that you probably uh, could read now if you are listening to this at any point outside of the early morning on Thursday. Uh, With all that out of the way though, it's time to get to the game that we saw on Wednesday night. The Hawks uh, again got a 111 to 92 victory over the Orlando Magic. It was uh, for for the most part closer than that. You know, early on, uh, the Hawks actually started with an 8-0 run in this game. Uh, Orlando responded with a second quarter, uh, sorry, with a first quarter run of 19 to six that kind of closed the gap uh, against the Hawks bench. Atlanta did hold, did hold a five point lead at the half, uh, but shot fifty six percent from the floor in the first half, and uh, for me at least was a little bit disappointed to be only up by five. I thought the Hawks uh, pretty soundly outplayed the Magic, but Orlando took advantage of some extra possessions on the offensive glass uh, in order to close that gap, and Atlanta couldn't quite take advantage of some uh, subpar play from Orlando. But after the half. Um, the Hawks had the big run of the game was a 9-0 run to push to push things open. Uh, I think the Hawks took about a, I think it was a 13-point lead late in the third quarter. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Orlando actually slashed that advantage back to uh, only a four-point margin with about eight minutes to go with nine straight points of their own. But from there, Atlanta was very very dominant, uh, finishing the game on what amounts to a 23-8. Uh, run on the scoreboard. So that's a good strong finish from the Hawks team that hasn't always finished strong this season. 
And while the margin was probably a little bit closer than it might seem at the end, uh, that's a very, very good win on the road. Um, the Hawks entered this game as two-point favorites over the Magic. Uh, I think we can probably all agree that Atlanta is better than Orlando. Even me, as someone who's pretty negative, I'm sure I've earned that re- reputation of being pretty negative about the Hawks. Uh, I, I, I thought that the Hawks, if they played a solid game here, would win, and they did just that. Um, and that's very, very encouraging, especially because the team has a back-to-back against the New Orleans Pelicans on Thursday. Uh, in terms of uh, overall team stuff here, the Hawks offensively scored 114.2 points per 100 possessions, which would be an elite number uh, over a full season, so that's a very nice performance. The Hawks made 54% of their field goals, 53% of their threes, uh, 10 of 19 from three in this game, and a reasonable 13 of 18 from the free throw line. I sort of uh, went to Twitter today uh, on Wednesday to talk about how poor the Hawks have been at the free throw line this season. Uh, The team entered the night 28th in the league from the free throw line, and while you would expect a team that has Dwight Howard on it to not be a great free throw shooting team, it goes well beyond Dwight. You know, two guys that I pointed out, Kent Bazemore and Tim Hardaway Jr., have both struggled mightily from the line this season, shooting less than 70% from the floor, I mean, from the the free throw line, and uh, those guys, neither one of them should be shooting less than 70%, especially Hardaway Jr. after he shot 89% last year. Uh, right now, it's hovering in the mid-60s, at least as of Wednesday afternoon. So uh, a little bit, just something to hit on there. And the Hawks, uh, you know, not great, 72%, 13 of 18 in this game, but reasonable enough to uh, get by. Defensively, they held the Magic to only 94.7 points per 100 possessions, which, which was uh, elite. If you, uh, again, were to put that over a full season, that's a very, very good number. Orlando shot 43% from the floor, 32% from three. Uh, did give up 10 offensive rebounds in this game. The Magic rebounded 21.7% of their misses, which is not a bad number, not a great one either. Uh, the Hawks did not really get anything going on the offensive glass, which is one of the reasons this game was closer than it probably uh, should have been early on. But defensively, I thought the Hawks played quite well here. Orlando is pretty easy to defend. That's going to sound crazy because the last time these two teams met, the Magic scored 130 points, but that was sort of a flukish performance, a pretty awful defensive performance from, from Atlanta by uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But still, you know, Orlando is not a team that ranks well in terms of offensively in the NBA. You can see that with their personnel. They have some uh, shortcomings personnel-wise that the Hawks were able to exploit here. Uh, and even with some uh, positive shooting nights from a couple of guys you might not expect them from, the Hawks were able to get uh, a bunch of stops when they needed them, especially in the fourth quarter. They sort of clamped down and put this game away. Um, you know, even even along 27 points in the fourth, um, a lot of that was garbage time. And this is a, this is a good performance from Atlanta on both ends of the floor. And uh, individually, uh, first guy I want to point out is Kent Bazemore, uh, a rarity. On this podcast this year, we're going to leave with Bazemore in a positive light. Uh, this, this is one of Kent's best you know, three or four games of the entire season. I have to go back and just comb through the box scores to see and remember uh, better performances from Kent, but certainly uh, definitely one of his better performances of the year. Uh, he shot 6 of 9 from the floor, 3 of 3 from the three-point line, which is you know a very rare thing for Kent this year, who struggled mightily from beyond the arc. Uh, he finished with 17 points, 4 assists, 0 turnovers, and a game-best plus 24 from Bazemore. He was visibly under control throughout this game. I thought he played a quality defensive game for the most part. A couple of hiccups that I saw, but you can point that out with almost anybody. And I thought Bays was very, very good. Uh, kind of play within himself in a way that he hasn't throughout this season. You know, only nine shot attempts. Uh, it's easy to say that he, that he play well when he when he makes all the shots, especially all the threes, but it, it, it goes beyond that. There's going to be nights where uh, guys play well and don't shoot well. Uh, I thought Kent did both here. It wasn't, just a, it wasn't just a case of him shooting the ball well. He did a lot of things well in this game, and it was a sort of a throwback performance 
to uh, last year and the and you know at times the year before that when he was playing within himself throughout a full game and, and really was a positive asset and that that kind of bore itself out throughout this game. So shout out to Kent Bazemore. Hopefully more hopefully more of that to come in the very near future from Kent. Uh, Paul Millsap was very, very good here. Uh, a lot of this was done, a lot of his damage, damage was done in the first half, but finished the game with 16 points, six rebounds, four assists, four steals. Did have five turnovers, which, which is not ideal, but as a team, the Hawks only committed 12, so that actually helps to mitigate that a little bit. You know, Paul was good defensively, really frustrated Serge Ibaka throughout this night. In fact, Ibaka was ejected late um, for, for some uh, arguing with the referees, and I believe it was a ball spike against the, against the ground at one point after, with, with some frustration. Uh, a lot of that is Paul kind of just doing whatever he wanted to surge on the other end of the court and uh, giving him the business offensively on a few different occasions. Uh, in fact, as I record this, I'm actually watching some of the, some replay uh, on on the screen, and it's uh, this is now four straight plays that I've watched on the television in front of me uh, of Paul cooking Serge Ibaka individually. So uh, he got the, he got the, he got the best in that matchup tonight, and uh, Paul again is playing extremely well as usual. Uh, six twelve and four, two of four from three, and uh, did what Paul does on an almost on almost a nightly basis here. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had a good game, 18 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, 3 turnovers, uh, 7 of 13 from the floor. Dennis kind of disappeared for a little bit in the middle of this game, but I thought he played well, especially early on and then, then again late. He had a 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists in the first half, and I thought was one of the bright spots for Atlanta. Uh, definitely uh, outplayed Alfred Payton, who had uh, who actually moved back to the starting lineup tonight for the first time in a while for Orlando, and Payton has played well in the recent past, but I thought Schroeder was pretty clearly better here, and it's always good when Dennis, when Dennis plays well. The Hawks always seem to play well when he plays well. Um, finally, Dwight Howard in the starting lineup at 13 points. 12 rebounds, uh, really got the best of Bismack Biombo. Uh, he Howard was a plus 15 in this game. Biombo was a minus 18 in 21 minutes. Not all of that is head to head, but you know Howard was uh, clearly the best center in this game. Also faced off against Nikola Vucevic on a couple of occasions. Vucevic had 10 points and six rebounds in 30 minutes, but I thought Howard kind of did what he does. Uh, only nine shot attempts, which is just fine with me. He played within the scheme, uh, offensively, defensively did did well to protect the rim. Only one block shot, but the team only had three blocks in this entire game but I thought he was a deterrent around the rim for the most part. That's kind of all you can ask for from Dwight. Um, finally, in the starting lineup, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, eight points, five rebounds, sort of a run-of-the-mill Tabo game. His defense on uh, Evan Fournier was good for the most part, although Fournier got loose a few times in the second half when the, when the Magic were making their big run, but that was uh, a lot of that was done without Tabo on the court, and I thought he was good defensively uh, off the bench. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. continues his hot, his hot shooting, 12 points, uh, 5 of 9 from the floor, 2 of 4 from 3. He had, he had one of those individual stretches that had become sort of his patented thing where he kind of went nuts for a very small portion of this game and really kind of carried the Hawks for a little mini run on his own. Uh, that's kind of what Tim does, which is a good thing, and he was a, a positive contributor despite being a minus 1 in 21 minutes. And uh, lastly, Malcolm Delaney. Uh, one of his better games in recent memory, 11 points, uh, 3 rebounds, uh, and a steal, 20, 20 minutes for Malcolm, 5 of 7 from the floor, 1 of 1 from 3. Uh, had some shot making happening. I sort of made a sarcastic uh, exclamation that Malcolm Lennon made a 3 in this game. Uh, it was good to see him knock that down after we have discussed that a little bit on the podcast. I talked about that with Bo Cherney on yesterday's show that you know it's pretty it's pretty insane that Delaney continues to shoot as poorly as he has. He's just a better shooter than that by uh, basically you know any estimation, and uh, he looked like a better shooter than that today. If you if you watch that game today, you would not expect him to be uh, posting uh, pretty pretty woeful shooting numbers on the season, and he looked like a guy who we expect him to be in terms of a shooter and defensively uh, held, held his own uh, early on, had a couple of uh, hiccups against Peyton in the very early moments of his first stint, but uh, aside from that, played quite well here. 
Uh, Mike Muscala was okay. Eight points, uh, three of three from the four, two of two from three. Good to see him shooting the ball with some confidence. Muscala has struggled a little bit offensively with, with his efficiency lately, but uh, made every shot he attempted in this game. And did some other things kind of got in the way uh, in the way that Muscala does. Kyle Korver had seven assists in 17 minutes in this game. Uh, Tied for the game high with seven assists alongside Dennis Schroeder. Uh, sort of a fluky thing, but uh, Kyle was was a willing passer as always and uh, walked into seven assists here. So worth noting there. Uh, that's going to kind of do it in terms of individual guys. You know, Chris Humphreys played too much. Uh, that's kind of what I always say, but so I, don't, I almost didn't want to say it here. But 14 minutes for Humphreys, it is what it is. Uh, DeAndre Bembry came off the bench for the final two minutes of the game in garbage time, was a plus two. Didn't really do anything of note, but uh, worth noting that he actually got in the game late when this game was firmly out of hand. And uh, we'll see, especially when, especially when Torian Prince comes back, if the Hawks make another concerted effort here. To get the rookie some playing time, uh, I mean, it's, it's tougher when everybody's healthy. When Prince is playing extended minutes early on at, at, at times the season, and when Bembry uh, had his couple of game stretch when he was playing a lot, it was because the Hawks were very short-handed. If all four veteran wings are available, uh, but is not really uh, chosen to lean on the rookies, and they've gone away from that, uh, you know, I, on one hand, I understand it, and that the Hawks are trying to win games. On the other hand, I'm, I'm always in favor of playing the rookies more to get them experience on a team that's not going to win the title this year. But uh, I do get it. You want you want you want you want to be competitive, and the Hawks are obviously playing quite well right now with four wins in a row to become to get back to three games over the 500 mark. Uh, Chris Livermore tweeted this at the end of the game, but it's the first time since late November that the Hawks are three games over 500. So some uh, positivity on today's show. The team played quite well here, took care of business against a team that they're uh, that they're. Definitely better than, and it's always good to see. Before we uh, move on uh, and get and let you guys get out of here, I do want to talk a little bit about the Pelicans game that takes place, t- takes place on Thursday night. Um, New Orleans has not played a game since Monday, and this game is, of course, in New Orleans. So uh, the Pelicans are actually seen as a favorite, according to both 538's model and the number fire model, two statistical projections that I uh, keep an eye on and uh, sort of uh, weigh in on every every day or so just to see what they're, what they're thinking in this game. A lot of that is probably venue, of course, with the Hawks playing on the road, and, of course, uh, the fact that the Pelicans are, will be a rested team, whereas the Hawks are on the second game of a back-to-back here. Uh, one thing that's worth noting in that degree, though, uh, no, no player on the Hawks played more than 30 minutes in this game. That's, that's always a good thing about playing uh, playing a game in which you win by 19 points that you can pull back on the starters in the fourth quarter, and nobody, was able, nobody, nobody had to be pushed to the limit offensively or defensively in terms of minutes. Here, so uh, the Pelicans are playing much better basketball, and if you if you look at their record, it's not exactly very impressive. Uh, but at the same time, you know the Pelicans are uh, are pretty talented when they're all healthy. When Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday are, are in the mix, it's basically about a 500 team so far, and uh, a 500 team on the road uh, on the second night of a back to back against a team that is rested uh, is not a great spot for Atlanta. I kind of expect the that the Pelicans will be favored in Las Vegas, if not favored, or be somewhere somewhere near a coin flip game. So you're going to see the Hawks have an advantage in the standings against the Pelicans, but uh, I would not be assuming a victory here. That's not being that's not me being negative. The Hawks are playing well here. It's just a very di- very difficult spot on the road. Second game of a back to back with some travel. Uh, the Hawks have a uh, not a, not a terribly long flight to get to on Wednesday night, and it was an early tip off. It was a seven o'clock tip in Orlando, so the Hawks probably will be will be in New Orleans by probably midnight or so, which is not the worst thing in the world. But you have to get up and uh, go through your routine on Thursday and face off against Anthony Davis, and nobody enjoys playing against Anthony Davis. So uh, keep an eye on that game. We'll of course break it down on Friday. 
I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. As always, uh, if you're not subscribed to the show, please do that on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're trying to grow the show, and hopefully uh, you guys can uh, hear the quality improving. Hope, uh, hopefully I'm getting some more reps and improving. Uh, so please, if you, if you have notes for me, let me know what I could do better or cover differently or uh, whatever your thoughts are. Reach out to me on Twitter at BT Roland or on, on uh, Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Um, also Facebook at Lockdown Hawks, and uh, if you want to email me for a, a more long-form thing, if you have an ad request, uh, anything like that, uh, LockedOnHawks at gmail.com is where you can get me. I've had some lively discussion with, with a couple of listeners in the recent past via email. I'm, I'm always uh, open to do that and uh, talk to anybody. If you guys don't want to fit into 140 characters, I definitely understand that, and I will do my best to reply to any of those. So another nice win for the Hawks tonight, four straight wins, and uh, we'll be back to hopefully talk about a fifth straight win on Friday. So uh, with that, stay tuned, and thanks as always for listening.